Welcome back to the Mel K show, a man that has taught me so much and informed me about the world, everything um, geopolitical and in America. He is an amazing historian as well. And I'm very honored to welcome back uh, Gary Kaw to the show. Thank you for joining me, sir. You bet. Thank you, Mel. It's great to be with you again. Thank you. I have uh, thought of you many times. I read your newsletter, which is extraordinary. And um, if you could tell my audience, first and foremost, a little bit about yourself, because it really informs a lot of what um, you bring to the table in terms of unique insight into the world and what is going on. Well, for those who are new, who may not be familiar with me, I'll just begin with a little bit of uh, my family background. Um, my father, at the age of 12, fled from the communists in Croatia. And within a year or so, when he was 13, he fled from the Nazis in Austria. So they went through the core of, of World War II. And, and um, so I'm here today because of God watching over my father and he having the, the smarts at a young age to know where to go and, and when. Um, after the war, he met my mother, they got married and uh, then made their way to the US sponsored in by an uncle. And then I was born here in the States in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, but my mother grew up in Southern Germany with a father who happened to be very outspoken against Hitler and their small farm town. And uh, to the point where uh, the Nazi school teacher, and they placed them everywhere, even in these small towns, um, he ratted on my grandpa. And one day, two secret uh, police showed up at the mayor's office looking for my grandpa. And fortunately, he sent them intentionally in the wrong direction then hunted down my grandpa and said, you've got to get out of here. They're looking for you. And he actually camped out in a, a nearby forest, which at the time right. had wolves and wild pigs, you know, and, and um, but they made it through. And fortunately, that was toward the end of the war. But anyway, growing up at family gather gatherings with cousins in the Dayton area, um, I would hear about all these stories, you know, what they went through. Uh, uh, before coming to the U.S. And so needless to say, uh, my father and my mother, she's gone on to be with the Lord, but uh, they are fierce patriots because they appreciate this country so much uh, as a place to come to, to get away from everything they had to deal with uh, before. And, and so uh, it makes us sick to see where things are at in our country right now. Uh, but anyway, Moving along, um, I made a commitment a commitment at a young age uh, to God that if anything were to ever happen in this country, like what happened in World War II, that I would take a stand no matter the cost. And I meant that, uh, but I never thought that um, I'd be taken up on that someday. Right. Um, so I end up, after many years, working for the government of the state of Indiana, and I became a point man for them traveling overseas uh, mainly for the purpose of increasing our exports to create more jobs here on the home front. And so even though I was on the payroll of the state government and it was a political position, uh, my meetings overseas were organized through our U.S. embassies. And so that brought me into the whole realm of our State Department and learning how our embassies function and getting to know uh, a lot of the people there, especially in the commercial sections of the embassies. And long story short, um, 
through my travels. And I think during my time on that job, I traveled to well over 20 countries. Uh, I was the Europe and Middle East trade specialist. That was my official title. But my travels also took me to the Far East and India and Israel and just depending on what products we were trying to promote from Indiana at the time. And um, I discovered that a significant percentage of the people that worked in our State Department, this was back in the 80s, uh, were not very fond of Bible-believing Christians and Jews. They had a completely different worldview. Uh, it seemed as if they were much more loyal to a, a one-world pro-UN empowerment worldview rather than really protecting the U.S. And, and our best interests. And that, obviously, coming from my background and what my parents went through, that sent up all kinds of flags. And so I learned to, um, I guess you could say, play dumb, just asking questions. Yeah. They were intentional, but I didn't want people to know where I was coming from. And it's amazing what people will share with you if you, if you just listen, you know. Yeah. And um, and so I, I also met people who were very strong patriots, but I would say they were definitely in a minority. And um, over a period of time, I was eventually invited to join two organizations. Um, one of them, while I was still working for the government, one immediately after I left. And these two organizations were involved in the thick of promoting this one world agenda. So I actually got an inside look and the one organization I don't mention in my book and Roots of Global Occupation right. because of the fact that it was part of our government and a lot of the information that I had access to my last three years, I was in it for seven years um, uh, on a voluntary basis, but the last three years I had secret clearance. And so um, I, I'm very careful about that. Uh, but I learned enough through my experience in that organization that it allowed me to connect a lot of the dots. And that's how my book ended up coming together. Um, it's called In Route to Global Occupation. It came out way back in late 91, early 92. So it's hard to believe it's been 32 years, I guess. Uh, but my goal was to connect the dots between the political, the economic, and the religious uh, intertwinings of this movement. It's quite complex and you have uh, very key players that are involved in all three of those aspects. I mean, the, the political, the economic, and the religious. And a lot of people want to compart compartmentalize all of that, but you really can't. You can't separate the three. And um, so again, I had 800 pages of, of notes and writings and condensed that down to 220 pages. Uh, so it's almost like a Cliff's Notes, uh, a summary of of my years of research and, and findings. And and um, real quickly, the other organization I was invited to join was called the World Constitution and Parliament Association, which the name kind of says it all. It's quite blatant. But at the time, you could not find out about them. They find out about you. They kind of pick you. And, and through a series of events, I was invited to join and communicated for about four years with the secretary general, the main organizer of the organization. And during that time, they sent me at least a couple hundred pages of, of documents. I mean, on their letterheads, uh, they used several different letterheads. 
And on some of them, the very first name that appears at the top uh, at that time, it was Eagle Arvik, who was the chairman of the Nobel Prize Committee and a big globalist at the time, which explained a lot of things. There were a lot of Nobel Prize winners that were part of this organization. And so the globalists promote these people, give them a platform, and then many of them, not all of them, but many of them turn around and promote this, this one world agenda. And that's kind of how this works. I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Um, also, one of the vice presidents of the organization was a former U.S. Attorney General, someone who had been over our FBI. So the whole thing with these organizations, you know, now we're aware of how deep the corruption runs. Right. This was back in the 80s. And so they've been at it for, for a very long time. Um, just a couple of other names. Um, Hans-Peter Durr, uh, who was on the executive committee of, um, of Greenpeace, uh, which millions of people funneled into that organization. Many of those people have no idea that some of their leaders, you know, are involved uh, at a high level uh, pushing this agenda. Cynthia Waddell, who was the former president of the World Council of Churches, which over the years has gotten a lot of its funding from the Rockefeller Foundation. Uh, it has become very interfaith, one world in their views. Uh, Dr. Inamula Khan from the World Muslim Congress. He was the president at the time of the World Muslim Congress. He was from Pakistan arguably the most powerful Muslim in the world at that time. Um, and again, he was one of the vice presidents of the World Constitutional Parliament Association. And I could go on and on. Yeah. Um, today, that organization still exists, but it's very different. Um, as a result of my book coming out and exposing that organization, and then other people also stepping up and, and doing that, um, it's as if they retreated and kind of reformed themselves. Today, it's very new agey, very blatant. I mean, some people flock to that, but most people wouldn't take it seriously, but it wasn't like that back then. And the three top leaders in the organization also belong to two other powerful organizations. One of them was the World Federalist Association, which is almost like a public arm of the UN. I mean, they're on the same page with the UN on everything. And, and so, uh, if an organization becomes exposed, they can kind of pull back and keep working through other organizations until they feel the coast is clear and then they come back in a slightly different way. And uh, so that's how that works. But in my book, I reproduce some of the documents uh, that I came across. And I'll just mention one of them here. Uh, they put out a list for their members of 49 reasons for why we need a world government. And close to a third of them had to do with the environment. So I knew way back in the 80s that the environment and climate change, they used that term too way back then already. This was going to be a big part of their agenda. They had to scare the world to death, uh, thinking because the environment, you know, the sky is falling, we're all going to die in a few years, and therefore we need a world government uh, to save us. And that's that's a big part of this agenda. So that's kind of a, a lengthy overview, but that's actually a short summary. Yeah, I know. And and the crazy part is that you've been pointing this out for so long and you've watched it evolve in front of your front of your eyes as uh, as planned. And the thing that's really important that um, you do cover a lot in your book and your book is even more relevant right now because we need to know where this 
how this evolved to where it is, because now they call it global governance and they don't hide it. And it's always global problems need global solutions. And uh, they've changed and rebranded, as as you pointed out, many, many times. But the actual players pretty much remain the same. And then they, they I call it the Poison Ivy League, but they, they groom them out of these institutions that they control and that they've led us to believe are the absolute experts and technocracy and all of the things that they've done to believe that if they have a degree from a certain place, well, certainly they're above us. And I believe that what's going on in America now, um, I say that America is fully captured, meaning that we don't have a left or right Republican Democrat or a constitutional republic, let alone one that is representing we the people, but that there's actually a, um, a fifth column running this country right now that is above that. And a lot of them include um, very, very high level uh, lawyers that then go into think tanks and go into uh, NGOs and all they talk about is protecting democracy and all about democracy. So when you hear the uh, uh, our dem democracy, there's a threat to our democracy. We have to go overseas to save democracy. Uh, this has been so manipulated. This whole concept. When you hear that, what is it? What What are you hearing? Well, way back in the 80s, all these developments behind the scenes, it was clear that they were going to do this in the name of democracy, calling for a democratic world federal government, uh, terms that they uh, use. And so they were fine tuning all of this back then, literally having mock sessions of a world parliament. And, you know, this would all be a, a just a bad joke if it wasn't for the fact that you had, like I said, a former U.S. attorney general. You know, someone who swore an oath to uphold the U.S. Constitution, but yet they're supporting a world constitution that that had already been drafted back then. And again, they've tweaked it and made changes to it. But at the time, uh, it was called a constitution for the Federation of Earth. Um, yeah. And and some get this. Some of the originators of Star Trek, the creative founders of that were actually involved in this organization. Oh, wow. So you put these terms in Hollywood, like Star Trek, Federation of Earth, that, that was already a conditioning, really, way back then, of the world coming together against a common enemy, uniting, you know, as one force. And, and so that's all part of this play. And, and that's where globalists go in their thinking, you know, and they're, they're as committed to their worldview, oftentimes, as Christians are to Christ. And a lot of people didn't realize that. And that's why this thing transcends generations. You know, this push has been going on for a long time. And if it was purely an economic thing, it would have died out a long time ago because people fight over economics and it, it would implode. Uh, but at its core, it's a religious motivation. And ultimately, well, I've had the opportunity to speak to people who have been at high levels and came out of this, uh, some of them fearful for their lives. I'll never forget a meeting I had uh, in uh, Central West Florida. I won't name the town, but um, a gentleman heard me speak at a conference. He had been up very high in one of these organizations, very high. And he invited my wife and, and I to his uh, house and shared all kinds of things with me. And he actually moved to a different state and tried to disappear just to feel safe uh, because of what he had witnessed. And he confirmed to me the fact that at its highest levels, it is Luciferic. These people, as crazy as it sounds, they believe that Lucifer is the God of light and that Adonai, the God of Christians, is the God of darkness. And Lucifer is in a war against Adonai to liberate mankind, to set him free from the bondage 
uh, and rules that Adonai has placed man under. And, and so a lot of this, even liberation theology, or look at the lawlessness that all this thing led to in the United States. It speaks for itself. Anyone with any discernment would realize something is desperately wrong and we're heading in the wrong direction. And the more say that globalists and, and uh, Marxists, uh, left, leftists have, uh, the more say they have in our government, the worse things get. And and so again, if you know, if, if the majority of people haven't figured this out by now, we're even in deeper trouble than I think we're in. Um, but I, I'd say maybe 10% of people really get it at a, at a significant level, yep. understand what's going on. Maybe another 20 or 30% realize something's wrong, but they're still largely pursuing self-interest and thinking, let somebody else take a stand, you know. And right now we're at a point where it takes all of us, unless everybody wakes up quickly and does whatever they can in their community and within their families, this thing's coming on us very quickly. Yeah, it is. And um, one thing that I do when I when I think about, uh, even when I first read your book and I think about all of this, uh, one thing that really is helping facilitate all of this is something that was sold to us. It's something uh, else, which is the Patriot Act. And uh, wrongly named the Patriot Act. But when you now look back at the Patriot Act, and I'm, I've told my audience many times, it was written written well before 9-11. And uh, Joe Biden was actually involved in Chertoff and a lot of the, the people that you would imagine. Um, but since the Patriot Act was passed, and now they have all these new groups, DHS, TSA, uh, DNI, all these things that we did not have, and I believe do not need if it wasn't for a fully uh, subjugating track trace surveillance and weaponizing the government against us to stop us from stopping the plan. You know, Donald Trump oftentimes is quoted as saying, uh, they're not after me, they're after you, I'm in the way. But I say they're not after America, they're after the world and America right now is in the way. And this controlled demolition of America that's going at, at, at as fast as possible is in fact um, what you were warning about having come to fruition where they feel like they are at their, their end game. You know, Barack Obama signed us on to agenda 2030. Everyone thought that, that meant kumbaya and we're all going to get along. And, uh, there's 17 development goals, which if you really read them, you start to think, well, who's, who's policing these goals and who's getting all this data and what is it, what is this about? And now we've gone into the CBDC and, and then digital IDs and all of this. So what you were reporting on in the eighties, they kind of needed this technology, uh, uh, you know, piece of the puzzle. But since 9-11 and the Patriot Act, they've implemented that dramatically. And we're at a place right now where I really feel the American people have to understand that they can opt out, but that they have to opt out of it personally, individually. It's the individual citizen right now that actually has the power. What do you, I mean, I, I just cannot believe that the Patriot Act... Um, when you really do look at what's happened since, I, I can't believe that most people in this country don't want that thing repealed. I mean, even if it was, they put so much surveillance and, and you know, the weaponization of the government is uh, above our government, quite honestly, at this point. Um, what are your thoughts on on the post-Patriot uh, Act, uh, what's happened to this country since then? Well, right before all that, um... Late 80s, early 90s, uh, even while I was writing my book, I was still in that one organization I mentioned uh, earlier. And this was before Department of Homeland Security was formed. So the organization I was in is now under DHS. 
And so early on, I got a look at this and was very concerned. Um, The last three years I was uh, in that organization, uh, I attended some meetings in Washington, D.C. Our speakers, I remember one briefing, uh, there were two speakers. One was under a fellowship at the Rockefeller Foundation. The other person was a prominent member of the Council on Foreign Relations. And it was either that same day or the next day, they bust us over to the Naval Yard for a luncheon. And this was supposed to be a really important speaker and well-known figure in Washington. When they mentioned his name, I'd never heard of him before. Well, uh, it took them about five minutes, it seemed, to introduce him, listing all the awards he had won from the United Nations. Um, And his claim to fame was that he had served in every administration, Democrat or Republican, since FDR, since FDR. And this was, this meeting was in 1989. And he was well up into his 70s. And so it just showed me how things keep going in Washington. Presidents come and go, but there's an establishment that's there and they're entrenched. And that's why much doesn't change. And uh, so anyway, um, among the things that he said, and he made a number of outrageous remarks and felt quite comfortable making these statements, which told me he believed in his mind that he was pretty much talking to a crowd that would be supportive of him. Okay, Um, He said that in order for the U.S. to be successful and play a prominent role in the new world order, we needed to abandon our Judeo-Christian ethic and embrace the religious philosophies of the East. Now, I mean, that's pretty much a, a direct Communism. quote, not but very close to what, to what he said. Right. And so, again, there's this religious element. You know, they, they realize that um, Christians and conservative Jews stand in their way. And as a whole, we've been a powerful force in the United States. And so to that degree, the U.S. stands in their way. Uh, because those Christians and Jews that have been awakened to what's going on, they're the ones largely taking a, taking a, a stand. And, um, and so um, I learned from that meeting. I mean, I came home a changed man, and I was already working on my book and all that. But I thought, wow, um, this is even more serious than what I thought, because they penetrated the highest levels of government. When this guy was done speaking... And there were maybe two to three hundred of us in that room. Everybody stood up and gave him a prolonged standing ovation. And I had to make a a, a quick decision at that time because I didn't want to stick out like a sore thumb. So I, I, I stood up, but I didn't clap. I couldn't bring myself to clap. And I looked around the room and saw all these people people clapping. And I remember thinking, we're in deep trouble in this country. So and that organization that I was in, by the way, deals with emergency management. So if there's martial law declared in this country over any kind of major crisis, all these organizations and agencies that are under Department of Homeland Security, they'd be kicked in. And you're looking at thousands of people that if they obey the orders just coming down from the top, uh, this whole thing gets implemented. People wouldn't be able to travel accept it uh, to certain location. I mean, your whole life would be controlled and they probably give a good cause as being the reason for it. You know, if there's some kind of terrorist attack, which we may as well expect that it's, it's coming with the open border and everyone who's come across, or it could be some type of an environmental contrived calamity. 
any of a number of things, uh, a pandemic that seems to be spinning out of control. And if I have time, I'll go into some things that are being prepared to lay the groundwork for the declaration of an emergency here in yeah. the United States and globally to implement um, such a crisis management. And then the question is, who would be in control? Right, exactly. That's what I always say to everyone when they're talking about Agenda 2030. And what's crazy is what you're talking about is what I talk about a lot. There was a, uh, you know, the, the, the prophet over there in uh, Davos under Klaus Schwab, uh, Harari, when he talks mm -hmm. and he says there is no God, there's no free will, we don't know what we're going to do with all these useless people, uh, da, da, da. and the whole 3,000 people there stand up and clap like he's a, and you think, yeah. oh my God, like, people have to take it seriously. Now, something that you're talking about that you can really dig into, I think is important here, is in the past when this has happened, um, this push because we we have the the summit of the future coming up and if you read our common agenda the un our common agenda to me that is a world constitution or you know all of that and then you put the 17 development goals and what people have to understand not only did barack obama sign on to that in 2015 i believe that most of the people that are have captured our nation are not only signed on to it they're financially psychologically emotionally invested in global governance at this point and many of them were brought back in after 2020 when they uh, place themselves back in power. You know, a lot of them in the uh, um, o Biden administration, as I call it, but the Obama administration continued on in what I've identified as a uh, consultant firm called West Exec. These are this, these, this is Blinken's created this firm. And 18 of those people went from Obama to that West Exec and back into the Biden regime. And a lot of the, and they also that they called themselves a firm that put together the, the government and corporations, like not even hiding it. The public-private yeah. partnership that is the plausible deniability that gets them so far, but the the thing that's hard here, and this is there's actually a quote in um, 1984 that that it rings true for where we are. In the past, it was like you would look at Germany. So Germany is the country that's trying to take over the world, or you know you would look at you know or you know China is trying to take over the world, or you know the U.S. is a, you know Project for American Century like new 100 year plan. They're trying to take over the world. The problem right now, which is why I think your your uh, insight is so important, is that there is the group that we're talking about now that are pushing forward with this, the great resetters, whatever you want to call them, they um they have no allegiance to any nation. They have no allegiance to any flag. They have no allegiance to any religion. They have they're very hard to identify. They include billionaire oligarchs in all countries, including ours, China, Russia, India, all over the world. The Muslim Brotherhood in Qatar that they're pretending is like not there anymore. They're just totally acting like the Muslim Brotherhood's gone as if they're not a giant piece of the puzzle. You know, I know when we left Afghanistan, people weren't paying attention. And Anthony Blinken was like, we're just going to give all this authority to Qatar. I'm like, yeah, we know. <laughs> we know you are. But I want to read you this, this one quote from Orwell, where he says, the party seeks power entirely for its own sake. We are not interested in the good of others. We are interested solely in power, not wealth or luxury or long life or happiness, only power, pure power. We know that no one ever seizes power with the intention to relinquish it. Power is not a means. It is an end. The object of persecution is persecution the object of torture is torture the object of power is power now do you understand me that is where i think we are what are we are truly dealing with it's a different level of global governance that has completely abandoned humanity 
Hi guys, thank you for watching the show. You know I'm always telling you to be prepared and expect the unexpected. Well, the wellness company has great medical emergency kits to make sure you can do just that. In a world where supply chain vulnerabilities threaten our access to life-saving medication, I highly recommend you get a wellness company medical emergency kit. With eight essential medications, including amoxicillin, Z-Pak, and ivermectin, you can be prepared for any medical emergency that comes your way. They have a medical emergency kit, a contagion kit, a emergency travel kit, and a first aid emergency kit. To support your own health and support the Mel K Show, please go to twc.health slash Mel K now and use code Mel K for big savings at checkout. Don't wait until it's too late. Take back control of your health today with the Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit. Because when it comes to your family's well-being, preparedness is key. The Wellness Company, empowering you to face the unexpected with confidence. Yeah, I mean, it's all about control and how to get full control over the people of the world to get them to do what these people and groups want them to do. And, um, and so I think a lot of people within the globalist movement themselves are being used. They, they don't get the whole picture. You know, they're naively thinking they're helping to save the planet through the environment. So they, I, I remember speaking at a church a few years back and some people came up to me afterwards, a nice couple, maybe late sixties, well to do i could tell just from how they were dressed and they had tears in their eyes and they said um you know we've been christians for many years and we've been giving money to this organization it was one of the organizations i named that was involved in the thick of this but they were they thought they were doing it to help save the environment they didn't know that the leaders of this organization were involved a, a couple of at the forefront of this movement and so people are naively being drawn in and these groups are getting money, sometimes from unlikely sources, from people who are just being duped. And so it's kind of like a pyramid scheme. Those on top, they know exactly where they want to take things and where their loyalties are. And then you have the mid-level management people. They have a, a general disposition favoring globalization and they have a vested interest perhaps they're blackmailable so they have to go along with it because if they don't i mean you look at biden for example he's gone tomorrow if he doesn't do what they tell him to do you know as 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 president we all know he's not really the one in control right and, and but then it filters down and you get to the grassroots and you have people who are just uh absolutely committed to one or more of these tentacles of, of the one world movement who still don't get everything. And I think that the globalists on top, they understand their time is short because people are waking up. And so that puts pressure on them to act quickly if they're going to get it done before the whole thing unravels. And so I personally believe that the next few months are extremely important and potentially dangerous for that very reason. Uh, with the elections coming up this fall, you know, what are they going to do if they are convinced that Biden is going to lose? Are they going to pull the plug on him at the national convention? And if they do, Kamala Harris wouldn't be able to get him over the hump. So then who do they propose? So there are a lot of risks in it for them, too. Uh, this is almost like a big game of chess being played out right now. And um, I, I think uh, one wrong major move on their part and then another maybe 10 or 20 percent of the public wakes up and they can't have that happen. So I see them possibly lunging forward quickly in the months ahead. And by September, if things go their way, you know, with the summit of the future that's going to be held September 22nd and 23rd, um, 
if that all goes through, they'll have all the power they need by this fall. And the stage for that is, as you know, uh, is going to be set in May, uh, the last few days of May and early June with the global pandemic uh, treaty being up uh, in Switzerland for ratification at the World Health Assembly. And basically, like I said earlier, anything that can be construed as a crisis, they can turn into a crisis on a global scale and then invoke emergency powers that they hope to get through these two meetings. And then you have to do, if you're a member of the World Health Organization or the UN, then you have to abide by whatever they say. So the only way around this is to pull out. And Trump tried to do that. You know, he, um, in fact, on a related note, Trump uh, pulled the funding on the UN's relief organization that we recently found out was involved with Hamas in helping uh, regarding the attack on Israel on October 7th. Right. And so and Trump had it right. What did Biden do as soon as he came in? He began funding that organization again. Yeah. Same with same with the most insidious, I believe, of them all, because it targets our children, UNESCO. Trump pulled out of UNESCO and then Biden went right back in and paid our past dues to the tune of six hundred million dollars uh, to UNESCO. And and again, Trump pulled out of the Paris Climate Accords. He was uh, telling NATO, you pay your fair share. We're not going to participate, even though I think NATO should have been dismantled long ago. Um, but he did a lot of things like that. And uh, Biden, of course, um, oh, Biden, I call him. Uh, accelerated everything as fast as possible. His first 30 executive orders that were dropped on that desk on day one, they were all geared towards getting back in line with the globalist agenda as fast as possible. And what most people don't know, you probably know, but most people don't, is in um, September of 2023, there was a big event at the UN, BlackRock, IMF. Uh, uh, they, they reintroduced the Clinton Global Initiative and John Podesta to the stage. Uh, it was a, it was a celebration in the carcass of the city I used to live in called New York City. Uh, celebrating halfway to Agenda 2030. It reminded me of like uh, Pan Am and Hunger Games. You know, that is really what I picture. They they believe that the future will look like for them. And uh, at that same time, in September of 2023, Biden-Harris put on the White House website, and it's still there, uh, they're recommitting to Agenda 2030 and the 17 development goals. And then they go through underneath it and they go through every every single one of them. And if you read it, it's like a transfer of about $3 trillion of our wealth, the United States taxpayers' money, being transferred all into global organizations. Yeah. And, and, and at that event, yeah. they talked a lot, the one at the UN, when this for what this came out, they spoke a lot openly about the Summit of the Futures and the UN, our common agenda, and what you're talking about. And most people still don't realize that that is, and I, and I ask people, I put it on my resource page on the Mel K show. I ask people to read that and tell me who's running that because you can say all of this. And you know, what, what also is, I want your take on is the border because I saw somebody who's been very involved in the background. He was Obama's, um, truth minister that people don't realize existed. Then he went to the World Health Organization to push the vaccine. Now he's back at the White House writing the legislation um, behind the open borders named Cass Sonsine. And a lot of what he does and what he's about and his wife who's running the money bags over there at USAID and all these people, a lot of what they're talking about, they openly talk about this global kind of communism uh, totalitarian controlled by a global governance group. And yet 
They're placed right now in these very important strategic positions. As far as I can see, USAID is about uh, regime change, controlling foreign governments, controlling, you know, color revolutions, yeah. you know, you got the husband. So we have these operatives and I call them the fifth column because I don't believe that these people have any oversight. They don't, they do not relate to the American people because, you know, Another thing I see going on that you kind of talked about way back in your book is all of these groups that are funded by the same guys that are funding everything else. So Rockefeller, Gates, all of them, all of them have these get out the vote groups too about marginalized voters. But if you will go and you read what it's saying, what it's actually saying is they don't want any American citizen to have a vote at all. And, and that voting is really just a waste of time because they already have a plan. And, and I mean, that's where we are is at this point of, and I wonder what you think is behind it. They're not hiding this. You know, right now, everything you're bringing up made me think of a meeting that's taking place right now in, in February in Dubai, United Arab Emirates. It's called the World Government Summit 2024. And getting ready for the program, I just pulled some of this information out. Um, and I'll name some of the players here in a moment. But this, uh, the World Government Summit, uh, this year's theme shaping future governments. In other words, preparing the governments of the world to, to work for them, to work for the world government. I mean, it's just so blatant. You know, they even call it the World Government Summit. It's uh, participants will examine new shifts and practices, network and build alliances and find ways to cooperate on global agenda items. Six major themes will be explored. Number one, use of technology and banking. No surprise there. We all know where that's going with the digital ID. Secondly, artificial intelligence. Thirdly, uh, economics in general. Uh, fourthly, education, because they have to dupe all of us into going along with this agenda. Fifthly, the environment, which is huge in all this. And finally, number six, health. So, you know, there if you, you follow it, it's, it's all right there. It's, you know, all the major areas of life that they're trying to manipulate. As far as who is involved in the leadership um, of this summit, um, the Minister of Cabinet Affairs in the United Arab Emirates is the chairman of the World Government Summit organization. His name is Mohammed Abdullah Al-Jergawi. And a lot of these meetings increasingly being held in, in the UAE. Uh, so that's okay. something worth keeping our eyes on as far as, as they uh, act like the Muslim Brotherhood no longer exists. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here is a list of partners. I don't have time to go through all of them, but just uh, some of them, uh, they're listed as strategic partners officially. This is all directly from the World Government Summit. So I'm just going down the list here. The United Nations, the World Health Organization, the International Monetary Fund, the World Trade Organization, UNESCO, the World Bank Group, the International Labor Organization, UNICEF, COP28, uh, which had their meeting in Dubai just two months ago in early December, uh, all pushing the environmental part of this agenda. Then listed as some of their members, Google, Meta, PepsiCo, Amazon, Visa, Coursera, um, media partners, Bloomberg, Time, CNN, CNBC, Euronews, Sky News, 
uh, and and the list goes on. India the trusted Global. the trusted news sources. I mean, if, yeah. if you've noticed, it's so disgusting. It does really feel like 1984. The first 10 pages on, uh, if you Google anything, are the those sources. And then, of course, uh, the UN, World Economic Forum, World Health Organization, and no negatives about any of this. If you put in yeah. our common agenda, one world government uh, strategic plan, it's going to come up with a million things from all those sources you just named about how great this is. You know, mm -hmm. or any of this, you you look up like even four months, five months ago, if you looked up the ESG score, you'd see one or two, uh, you know, anti. No, not anymore. Nothing you can look up. Like uh, there's there's a key player, I believe, in the fifth column right now. His name is Norm Eisen, uh, a, a trained color, loves color revolution. He, in his own book about color revolutions, he uh, he uh, praises Gene Sharp from Harvard, who's the original color revolution guy. And you dealt with a lot of that in your book too, which is the infiltration through. Um, movements and nations that disrupt the nation from the bottom U up. Universities and foundations influencing those universities, yeah. Right, and that's what um, you talk about a lot, and we've seen that, because now we have, as we have the ceasefire now movement, what has been amazing, and I think eye-opening to a lot of people, I don't know how it wasn't before, is that that movement is funded by the same people as Black Lives Matters movement and by mm -hmm. by the Women's March and all these people, and yet people still are at a place where they just don't want to believe it could happen here. And yeah. that's that's the scariest thing right now, because when you show somebody that world government or last time um, I did a my friend Norbin Laden was on the ground in Switzerland and we did a during Davos, we did a live from Davos every day and she went through the crazy, insane panels. But like, again, to, to clapping and the, all those companies you just mentioned, all those groups were all there. And it's like and and then you can see it now that the interesting part and in this I want your take on this was and I don't know about the world congress yet but i'm gonna look into it what wasn't reported though a lot more people were looking at davos now than ever before and they don't realize they're just a cog in the bigger wheel a lot of people have yeah. been pointing at the world economic forum i mean you have for a long time but and they think that that's them no it's not them no no that is their pr firm and davos Hi. was a bunch of press conferences rather than panels if you want to know just like i'm sure this event is which we'll get in the back end but one thing that wasn't mentioned was that in in Davos, on the ground there, the most celebrated, most lauded, most welcomed with the red carpet, cheered on was the Chinese Communist Party in Davos. And the number two to G was treated as the VIP special guest to Klaus Schwab and all of them. And in, in the panels that they're talking about it, they're talking of they're praising how great China is and efficient with their resources and the resources are the people. I mean, I'm I'm watching this and I'm listening to this and I'm thinking they're they're telling us that this one world government includes communism worldwide for the people on a universal uniform scale, equally, you know, talk about equity, equitably trapped, tracked, traced, surveilled, limited, controlled on a massive scale. And again, to 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 a large applause in yeah. the room. Where does the Chinese Communist Party play in? Well, uh, I, I think if this moves forward the way that the powers that be wanted to, their new world order is going to be modeled very closely after the CCP. Right. And right. that's why they keep being elevated at these meetings, because they're the ones doing it right. 
You know, they're watching every one of their citizens. You get certain points for doing things their way. And if you don't do it, you get docked. You can't live life the way you want to anymore. And um, you picture that on a global scale. And you look at the crackdown on Christianity over there. I mean, it's been bad, especially the last three or four years. It's gotten worse again. And um, people think it can't happen here. But, you know, I, that's probably the biggest thing that I fight in the U.S. is just a certain degree of arrogance that exists. We're Americans. It can't happen here. Why, why can't it? You know, I mean, we're living on borrowed time because of the wisdom of our founding fathers and the Constitution that they gave us. Otherwise, we'd already be in this new world order. And uh, these people are trying to undo our constitution and all the freedoms that we've enjoyed to this point. And they've made a lot of inroads. But I was going to come back to um, an earlier point you made because it's so relevant right now. Um, you know, all these marches we've seen, 1,300 protests, some of them borderline violent against Israel, you know, and um, I, in, in my second book is called The New World Religion. I don't know if you have a copy of it or not, but in it, there's an extensive appendix section. And in uh, Appendix A, I have probably six or seven pages of quotes from Alice Bailey, who today oh, is boy. referred to oh, as the mother of the New Age One World Movement. You know, she wrote the occult classics that people flock after today if they're in that movement. It used to be you had to be in a secret society to get hold of them. Now you can buy them at any bookstore. They made this enormous comeback. And um, Right. And for the audience, because I've done shows on it, she is also the uh, founder of Lucifer Publishing, also known as the Lucis Trust, which still to this yes. day has a meditation room at the United Nations. And yeah. uh, her theosophy, like Alice Bailey also worked with the original Robert Mueller, who created the world curriculum with UNESCO. So this is very important. These are important people to know. Right. Yes. And they're behind the scenes people. Most yep. people have never right. heard of Alice Bailey, you know. Uh, but she was involved in influencing a lot of the early members of the Council on Foreign Relations and the UN and that type of thing. And to make it sound even more bizarre, again, remember earlier I mentioned the spiritual connection. She was a trans channeler. And according to her husband, she would go into a room and two days later come out with a, a manuscript totally finished that allegedly was dictated to her by her, I call it a demon spirit guide. She just called him a spirit guide. He actually had a name, Joal Cool is how she referred to him as. And um, and so she put out book after book after book. And when you read it, the hostility directed toward Christians and Bible-believing Jews, it's off the charts. Yeah. Um, and so they've kept this hidden for a long time. But now that we're seeing this growing anti-Christian, anti-Jewish, uh, this hatred, um, this has been planted for many years, the seeds for this. And um, also, um, well, she was the head at one point in time of the Theosophical Society, but one of the leaders of that organization prior to her was Helena Petrovna Blavatsky. She was as messed up as, as you can possibly be. Um, and she wrote a book called The Secret Doctrine, which to this day is an occult classic. Hitler considered it his Bible. He kept a copy of it at his bedside and had scribbled many notes in there. Right. And it helped right. indoctrinate him into the occult. And and we see the direction he went with everything. So these core players at a high level embedded in these secret societies that help lay the groundwork for everything we're seeing today, literally were Luciferians. And again, Alice Bailey founded Lucifer Publishing Company, changed the name two years later to Lucis Trust, which was 
smart on her part. And so I think a lot of this, you know, Hitler, what did he say? He said, if you, the bigger the lie, the more people are willing to believe it. If you say it often enough, yeah. a lot of these things, it's so unbelievable. I encourage people to do their own research, you know, to look up uh, my quotes in, in my books. I document everything. I reproduce pages on the letterheads of these organizations. You can go to our website, GaryCod.org, get them, look at it for yourself and become a researcher because maybe that's what it takes yeah. For some people to believe that this really is what it is. Also, we need that now. I pull out your book um, once in a while and go through the bibliography when I'm looking for something that I can't find. But the very scary part about this now and why your books are as important now as if not more than when you read them is because the Internet has been scrubbed of so much people do not understand things that I found even a year ago are gone things that, and this yeah. is Google and they're using AI and they're going through the back end and they're scraping anything that doesn't go along with this March towards agenda 2030 and this narrative and the climate narrative and everything that's geared towards pushing and us, walking us talk shows that you're trying to get the message out. Oh, anything I was kicked off of YouTube three years ago for talking about God forbid about uh, early uh, treatment for COVID that was, it was on. And I never went back cause I knew what, I know who owns that. You know, they're part of it. They're a player that you, you brought up this World Congress. Well, they're, they're Davos, World Health Organization, any of these groups, Google Alphabet is one of the main sponsors of all of it. It's so funny that their old original thing on the wall was do no, or, uh, do no evil or whatever. And I'm like, oh, my God. But we have a real problem coming up. And um, I've had you a long time, but we'll talk about it. Um, I'll have you back soon because now we have they do have the AI. And I saw and a lot of people talk about Gates and I call them the globalist billionaire oligarchs that run America, but very few talk about Eric Schmidt. And uh, he's back back behind the whole Obama administration doing the AI Bill of Rights and all of that. What people don't realize is he's one of the architects of the Chinese social credit score when Google China was there. And, and he helped facilitate that. So I believe that they have built this infrastructure because in that fraudulent infrastructure bill that they passed, um, there was a lot of like blockchain technology, ledger technology that could only be meant for us, even in the uh, executive order on the IRS. Everyone was looking at the 87,000 agents and I was looking at the AI and I'm thinking this is the part of the mechanism. So we need to really individually opt out of that world. People don't still don't seem to understand that all of the social media platforms are watching you and openly and actively and and are from a lot of them DARPA and and you know all of this uh situation. So I, I want people to be very aware that they have tools to push you into this now that you can opt out of, at least to kind of at least for yourself you know, kind of disconnect. But before I let you go, what are some of the things that you are, um, for the people that are awake and want to do something, what are some of the things that you suggest people uh, do right now? Because like you said, I think we have a nine month window to choose between, are we going to remain America or are we going to become a cog in a globalist wheel? Because if he gets four more years, uh, we're signing on to all of this uh, international stuff and the America that we know. I already think the District of Columbia suspended the Constitution and Bill of Rights if they ever uh, abided by it being a vassal state. But certainly when people say, well, that that's against the law in America, I say, well, look at what they're doing to Donald Trump with all these lawsuits. None of that is real. Yeah. So what do you, which 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 law are you talking about? You know, they don't care that it's against the law, the people that are trying to implement this. So what should people do in your, your mind that, that yeah, do get it? They're playing lawfare, you know, as the new term. I mean, it's it's warfare through the legal system because they control so much of it. And it's really difficult to, to fight that. But it, again, there's power in numbers. 
And if, if people gel and come together and say, we're not going along with this, what is very key, uh, a group of, of people who have a great deal of influence that maybe get overlooked are our sheriffs right. all across the country. There's thousands of them. And I, I would say many, if not most of them, do care about the people that they serve. I know our sheriff in our county here, he stood up to the governor a few years ago over COVID. The next day, another 30 or 40 sheriffs from around the state got behind him. And guess what? What the governor, who's a rhino, wanted to do, it didn't happen. And so I would encourage people to get around your sheriff. If you don't have a good one in place, uh, hopefully the upcoming election will be for sheriffs and you can get somebody in who's going to be loyal to our constitution and who is further along in understanding what's going on right now. That's very key uh, in yeah. terms of, of um, giving us more time. Also, I would say if you haven't gotten your own house in order, do so now. Stop speculating and crazy investments. You know, everybody's saying, oh, you can triple your money here, quadruple it there and stuff. And a lot of people doing this, they're practically borrowing money to invest in the stock market. And yet they might owe four or $500,000 on their homes. Pay off your home, get out of debt. It'll put you one step ahead when things come crashing down. Uh, get your own house in order. Um, also, and we put out a list last year, it's on my website somewhere, um, of recommendations that we gave to people because many people are asking, what do we do right now? Give yeah. us you know, a list. And so we have that, uh, that people can look at. Items that they really ought to obtain that may come in very handy if a crisis develops. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point in the not distant future, we have a major, major cyber attack or possibly even an EMP, which would be catastrophic. And there are things you can do now. You can actually get generators from, um, I know 4patriots.com has, has generators that you can have in your house without fumes and um, you can buy EMP bags to put them in. And so if there is an EMP strike, it'll protect the generator. You can pull it out afterwards and it will function. You can plug in some of your items. And it's not like having your whole house up and running. But, you know, if you have two or three of those, you can still run a lot of things and function when a lot of other people might not be able to. And so if you have an extra five or $10,000, that's where I put some of my money, that and and some really good uh, portable water purification systems and and some uh, food with a, a long shelf life. So you're gonna need water, food, and power. Those are should be the three top priorities as far as that goes. But then I also wanna uh, come around to um, the spiritual preparations. I, I If this thing goes the way it could, and I hope that God does give us more time, uh, that, that he intervenes and pushes back the timetable. But if things go the way they could go, many people are just going to be blown away. They're going to be like, so dumbfounded, they'll be paralyzed. They won't even know where to begin uh, on what to do, uh, especially if there's an EMP strike or acts of terror that pop up all over the country simultaneously and the power grid goes down and that kind of thing. These are real scenarios. They're not scare tactics. These are things that could be right around the corner. And so as, as Christians, as conservatives who want to uphold our Constitution and, and you know, who love our country and, and recognize what God has given us here, we want to do what we can to prepare for times like this, not only for ourselves, for selfish reasons, 
Although right now those are good reasons because we do want to protect our families, right? Yeah. And we, we have to be in a position to do that in order to be able to help other people. Right. And I think there's going to be an opportunity coming up where, you know, by being prepared, we will be in a position in a position to help other people who naively weren't prepared. And so we need, need to look at it from that standpoint as well. So there's the political, the economic, the spiritual. And by all means, if we have the opportunity uh, to vote uh, this fall, hopefully we'll still have an election. Um, don't underestimate the importance of that. Um, right now, there are so many rhinos in the Senate and, and plenty of them in the House as well. Um, we need at least at least 20 or 30 more uh, conservatives in the House and at least five or six uh, new senators who are willing to come in and, and shake things up. And that's a long shot. And I realize that. But, you know, if everybody gets out there and votes and um, some states have gone back to paper ballots, which is a big step in the right direction right. because it's more difficult to manipulate that yeah. than the electronics. So. Yeah. What's scary is a lot of the groups that you're talking about, when I trace them, at least to the funding, Arabella Partners, Tides, uh, Rockefeller Foundation, Gates, they're very invested in the election and they, they claim to be, and people have to understand this, they don't want Republicans or Democrats or anyone else to vote at all. And, and if you look at their groups that they have pop-ups, be it the Zuckerberg, and now he's calling it the uh, Alliance for Election Excellence. It used to be something else, and then it got banned a lot of places. Open Society, any of these groups, uh, Indivisible, yeah. Democracy Alliance. If you really read what they're saying, because they're all globalists, they're saying that the United States people, the people of this country, don't deserve a vote. That it, it, Equally, they talk about marginalized voters, but if you really read what they're saying, what they're really saying is... We'll decide for you. There's really no reason for any of your votes to count. And we're going to make sure that they don't count. So you got to get also involved locally in your elections now to make exactly. sure that you realize that because they are they've popped up twenty five hundred. They, they did this in twenty twenty two places to train people with all these newfangled, you know, election theft models with the mailing and the and the harvesting and everything. So it's up to us to counter that now, not not six months from now when it gets very obvious that they're going to try to do the same thing or whatever happens. So that's one last thing. Gary Kyle, you're amazing. I love having you on and we got to do this more often, especially as we face the next uh, nine months of chaos. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it's going to be a busy time. Because also your newsletter, and you do put that out in hard copy, and I want people to understand that that's that might end up being all we have is hard copy. If, if God forbid, some of these crazy things that you know, the World Economic Forum did the Cyber Polygon exercise more than once, which was a takedown of the grid worldwide. And Klaus Schwab, I, like I always say, you know, Gary, and, and you know this too. If these people say something, believe them. Don't think it's so insane. If they're doing full on, you know, putting millions and millions of dollars into simulations like Event 201 or the Cyber Polygon, it's not because they just want to check it out. It's because it's a run through. So be very smart. So tell my audience where to find you, how to find sign up for your newsletter uh, and where to get your books. Very important. Right. Our, our website is very simple. Just my name, Gary Kaw, G-A-R-Y-K-A-H dot org, not com, but dot org. You go there and uh, then you can go over to the product section and my books are there and you can also uh, subscribe to our uh, publication, Hope for the World Update, which we've been doing now since 1995, which is hard to believe, but it's fully documented. We have some of the best writers in the world. Uh, you know, we don't sensationalize because the truth is sensational enough as it is. 
And so we, we try to maintain integrity in our writings and just give you the truth. And, and uh, hopefully you will find it uh, helpful in your own lives and then take it, reproduce it, get it out to people. We don't care what you do with it. We just want to get the message out. Right. And I, I want to remind everyone that um, they're, they're, they're not even close to done with their censorship apparatus that's going on worldwide. As I told you, so many things are gone from the Internet. And, and if you search for something, you're going to get uh, trusted sources. So uh, it's really important that you stay in touch with uh, the MelKayShow.com, with GaryKaw.com, that you visit there a lot. You bookmark it, you sign up for everyone's newsletter, both of ours. And you make sure that you're prepared and also go to the Mel K show partners page. We have a lot of things there that Gary's talking about that are options to prepare. Um, and you know what, just have peace of mind and keep praying to God. And, uh, like I do every day, I just wake up and I pray to God just to make me useful today and get out Amen. where people need to hear. Uh, and yeah. you do that every day, Gary. I do so the same. thank yeah. you so much. And, Praise uh, you you and your wife do such an amazing job. So everyone head on over there. And uh, his books are crucial to understand how we got here. It's one thing to understand where we are. And it's another thing to understand how we got here so that we never, uh, so we can fight back properly and make sure it doesn't happen again. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, Mel. God bless you. You too. Hey, Mel Kay here. Beverly Hills Precious Metals is my preferred choice for gold and silver. Head on over to the Mel Kay Show Partners page and click on the tab for Beverly Hills Precious Metals. Silver and gold are God's money. They're a great way to fight against inflation and keep your hard-earned savings safe. With the national debt out of control, runaway government spending and printing, inflation continues to soar. Beverly Hills Precious Metals can help you shield your wealth from volatility in the markets. Protect yourself today. Go to the MelKayShow.com partners page. Click on Beverly Hills Precious Metals. Fill out the form and let's get started. Protect yourself, protect your family, and protect your future. The narrative is falling apart, but as it does, there's so much of this fraudulent disinformation, misinformation, censorship coming from the globalists. And what we need to do is be focused on the facts, cut through everything, be discerning, and get it first and foremost out there to everyone. It is important that you know what is going on. Censorship is getting nuts. You guys know it. There's accounts all over the place that are fake, that are not me. I know you guys send me emails and I really appreciate it. And you report it and it's on Telegram and Instagram and Twitter and they're not me. So I'm super excited to announce We The People with Mel K. Be the first to join. It's a VIP community, just you and me behind a paywall, no trolls, no nothing. We get to know each other. I will give you the facts first. I break a lot of stories a long time before other people. We can talk about past, present, future, history, what we're doing now, solutions for going forward, what 2024 is gonna look like. I'm gonna do breaking news, do a lot of deep dives. I'm gonna bring that information to you guys first in a live Q&A every week. So please click the link below and join me over there. We are going to create a community, a community that is censorship proof, it's cancel proof, it's truth, it's transparency, it's on the road to God, country, justice, everything that we want in one place. This is the most incredible, amazing time to be alive. As hard as it seems and as difficult as the battle has been for you guys and definitely for me, all I know is that we all are part of the solution. We are all involved and invested and you guys have the passion that I have. So let's join together on live Q and A's once a week with me, Mel Kay, we the people of the United States taking back this nation. This is so exciting guys. I've been dying to do this and we finally got the technology right. So please join me. Click the link below. Can't wait to get started.